Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, all I ask Tell from me. the world at large. Come on, talk to me about that it. That I feel I'm owed is those little smiles people give pregnant people. That's all I really want. Um, and I'm not getting them because I don't see your face. And no, oh. if you're giving me a little, oh, you're pregnant smile, uh, which I miss from my first pregnancy. Wait, did people do that in New York? Yeah. I didn't know that was Although a phenomenon. New York is a very f- strange place to be pregnant. Like p- uh, people do that, but people also yell at you like what they think the baby is. People also... Um, do they really? I had a woman on the subway once come up to me and yell if the tree does not bear fruit we cut it down and i think that was about me but it was like <laughs> well i i guess I think I, she's saying kill every person who can't who procreate. can't do what you're doing which yeah that makes you feel great too right I feel like as a pregnant woman, you get catcalled by women the way women just generally get catcalled by men. Would you say that's accurate? Like you just add as a catcall victim. I'm not going to say victim. As a catcall receiver. <laughs> I love that. As a catcall victim. As a catcall so receiver. Intense. When you're pregnant, you now add women to the pile. Um, yeah. And I've gotten catcalled pregnant. Well, oh, you I'm know not what saying, I do I'm with... saying you add. I don't think you subtract creepy people. I think that as someone who receives catcalls as a pregnant woman... You add a whole new demographic to the pile. Well, you know what I do when I get catcalled, right? I told like, you. You like go. You lean in. You you don't jump away like I do. You fully invest and go. Really? Because I thought these jeans made my ass look fat. And yeah, like, but I usually go even deeper into my own psyche. They're like, "How you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, bloated. A little bit of diarrhea." Here's why I think, though, honestly, I haven't been eating that well. And it's weird. I I know I need to treat my body better, but I don't know. It's like I've been a little depressed. What with um, everything going on with the state of the world and uh, how have you felt? I mean, do you feel depressed? And if you do, like, do you feel like it affects how you eat? And they all they want is for me to please connect, please leave, please stop talking to them because cat callers, they, that's not the level they want. So you sort of um, trump their level. I don't Uh, like that word either. Can you you sort of, well, (laughs) one up them? You one up them is what you do. You're right. We got to change that. You know, it's funny. I, I've never experienced life pregnant in New York, but I, I think that yeah, I'd be interested to see how that experience changes, but yeah, fuck a mask while pregnant. But here's what's funny, dear readers. We still wear them. 
we absolutely wear them. <laughs> That's the thing every is we time. can bitch about them as much as we want, but guess who still wears them? Quinn and Carrie. Every single fucking time. I, you know what? It's funny though, because when I was in the like my mom, I was chatting with my mom, and because I'm from the suburbs of Chicago, there's just more space, and so mm-hmm. people don't wear masks outside, and so. Uh, like my friend was saying, you know, we're not the epicenter anymore and the numbers are way down. But also, like, the Everyone personal responsibility of people in New York is pretty remarkable. Like Everyone I'm, outside is wearing them. And I think it's because we've all known someone who died. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, unfortunately, that is like, like most social issues, it's like you need to experience it yeah, to understand us, the let severity. Let us bust that for you. Because, yeah. for real, most people in New York do. Know um, someone who died. And that sucks. I miss him. I was talking to my friend about how I think they're your doppelganger. And I then looked you up as to if someone was curious and what you looked like, what they would find. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was curious as to what somebody else's (laughs) train of thought was. And I looked you up and on it, you're going to love this. On it was your engagement video. Oh, wild. You can really get dig deep on me. But it was, I teared up at it because I was out of town. So I couldn't be a part of that celebration and i'm so sad when i was watching that video oh, and so our sad. friend that died is in that video but our friend that passed away is in that video yeah. and he is like it's it's actually like it's an awesome video to have of him because it's him hugging you and talking to you and like being a part of a big moment in matt and i's life and yeah. it's really cool it's great yeah we're really lucky i we don't know if that. you've like revisited that video since he passed but um, like we i have we actually sent it to uh his son and stuff, his family. Okay, good. Because I watched yeah. it and I was like really touched at, at how how that affected. It was really wonderful. That's all I'm saying. Dear readers, I got a really good engagement, by the way. Oh, my God. It was really good. And your face in it. It's such a sweet video. Matt did such a beautiful job. I mean, yeah. it's really. If anyone knows the movie Labyrinth, my husband, like, I love that movie very, very much. I love David um, and Bowie I've and I love that it. movie. I've never seen it. Oh, God, get out of here. You're um, going to watch it with me, though. I'm I not... will. Um, I'll watch it any day. I think Koa would like it, too. Anyway, my, my husband staged one of the like iconic scenes from it where they're in a ballroom uh, and there's all these people waltzing. And he surprised me with it where I was in costume for an unrelated actor event and walked into this back room and all my friends were in the room. A lot of my friends were in the room wearing masks, waltzing, and that song came on. And he was there dressed in a ridiculous, over-the-top David Bowie sort of look. And he lip-sang to the song. No, I think he sang-sang, which is somewhat unfortunate. <laughs> but, um, and then proposed. And it was so unexpected and bizarre and perfect because it was um, – there was, like, bubbles all over. People were blowing bubbles and – uh, and then we just drank champagne with friends and laughed a lot. And it was a really fun uh, proposal. I'm so sad I wasn't there. I was out of town. <laughs> yeah, it was good. You but missed I, a fun little moment. But it was. But did you know when you were walking in what was going on? Uh, hmm. Pretty quick. But it was still really surprising because I was at work. Yeah. And I was about to do an acting gig. And so I had put on this, like, dress for the gig Oh, because they faked a gig. Yeah. They faked you playing. I thought that I was acting as, yeah. Yeah. And so I put on the dress for the role, went into this, which was not uncommon, by the way. Like, it was not like, 
Yeah, it looks like the ball gown that uh, That's so cool. she wears in the movie. Remarkably Did you know your like parents it. were there? Yeah, I knew my parents were there. I mean, my parents, when they're in town, they stay with me. Yeah. But they weren't in t- I don't think. I don't know if they were in town for the engagement. I think he planned the engagement around them being in town. Oh, what a good uh, guy. Yeah. He's a good guy. And also, dear readers, if you're going to date someone, date someone who's good with a camera because, my God, the footage that Matt has access to cameras and stuff that like a lot of your really cool life moments are yeah, edited. Yeah, he had and- a friend shoot it and it's it's fun. It's I really mean, fun. apparently you can watch it if you Google me. You can watch <laughs> so it. So you too can You too be can there. be part of it. I, because I was talking to my ex who's been messaging me all day, which I have to figure that out. But anyway. to unpack that. I have to unpack that. That's for therapy. My therapist is out this week. So next week it's on the to-do list. Oh, so you're sort of off the hook this week. You can behave badly. I'm going to behave horribly this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he takes really amazing photos. And so he's been sent because he has these old cameras that are film and he has a scanner that he can develop negatives. So he has the means now to develop his own film. And he was sending me these pictures and I was like, is this reason enough to get back with him? Because he takes beautiful photos. Ooh, yeah, hard. It is a great skill. Yeah, but it's also just like they're beautiful photographs. But, you know, you should probably... Cut the cut the ties, cut the string. Cut well, the I'm cord. just thinking if you're gonna go for it on skills alone, I would probably lean in the direction of like a chef or something <sighs> over the photo thing. So, dear readers, I'm on an like app Natalie called makes ravioli, and when I say makes ravioli, he I mean boils pasta. He boils ravioli. <laughs> you're a very good cook, which makes me worried because I don't think I'm a terrible cook. I think I'm a pretty good cook. You're a great cook. I'm fine. So, speaking of dating, I was on hinge and this guy messaged me and he one of the things he wrote on it was i can bake but i can't cook which to me i was like drenched i to me i was like (laughs) sold baby hook line and sinker i was like and so i reached out to him and i was like i did everything i tried i love baking i'm not great at it i like to cook i didn't actually say any of that that's too much information i asked i said i failed making croissants and he's like you can't possibly make a croissant in a kitchen you need a like an industri- industrial kitchen Makes is sense. what he said anyway all that is to say he reached out and he was like want to go to brunch i think i told you this story oh my god want to go like, to brunch this guy go kills to brunch. me and i said um brunch sounds scary how about something fauci would approve of you know and he goes why scary and then he goes fauci with question marks like he didn't know who that was yeah, I think that's enough. The and then Fauci he goes, question mark is then, where I draw the line. And then he goes, okay, drinks and food? <laughs> so he thinks I'm just... He's like, he's like, whoever this Fauci guy is, he doesn't like brunch. But what I'm saying is, is what's great about it is he's brunch-averse. He doesn't understand. But I, I do want to say what he said last because it was really funny. Um, hold on, where is it? I got to get back on your hinge. It's so fun. You really do. You have access. Get on there. And then I said, I'm just being cautious about coronavirus. And he said, if it is the case, I have two tests that day. I don't have corona. What about you? I don't know what he's saying. I think he's foreign. Yeah, definitely. I think English is his second language. And he makes, he bakes. So Terry, I, he told you he doesn't have corona. He said he had two tests that day. He has two tests the day corona came out. <laughs> He made double sure. (laughs) 
But I gotta tell you, if someone is like not respecting your boundaries when you're chatting about a fucking global pandemic, chances are they're not gonna respect your boundaries. Be fair to him. He doesn't know about the pandemic. (laughs) He said, who's Fauci? I almost reached out and said, have you heard? Have you heard the bad news? Oh no, I'm gonna have to tell this guy. Shit. Did you imagine having to it's tell someone about responsibility. four months after the fact that it's existed? You're like, oh, honey, things have changed. Hey, I have some bad news for you. Coronavirus <laughs> is a thing. We should All right, launch fine. into the story. Quinn, it's your turn. We've ordered fine, Thai food. I'll tell the you a story. Is on. I'm telling you a story. It's about the watcher. The washer? Huh? What? <laughs> Who's Fauci? It's about the watcher. And I read, yes, I read a little on CNN, if you have to know, but the truth is I just poached knew. all this information from a completely awesome article in New York Magazine's The Cut, written by Reeves Wideman. Wait, I think I know him. Really? Wait, I think if I you know do, him. If you do, he's an amazing writer. Wait, he's investigative... She? He, he, I think. He. Wait, hold on. Wait. I want to. Reeves. S- cool name, huh? It's a cool name. I've met him. It's a really good article. And he, yeah, I saw um, Hustlers with him. <laughs> oh, amazing. I'm sort of starstruck about that because this article was great. I have to see if that's him, but I think it is because I think he's a writer and an investigative well, guy. Well, tell him thank you. Done. Um, in June of 2014, Derek Broadus and his wife, Melissa, buy a six bedroom super old Dutch colonial revival home. I think it was built in the ni- early 1900s. It's in Westfield, New Jersey, and they buy it for like around 1.3, 1.4-ish. Million folks. That's million That's in the dollars, mills. baby. It's a great neighborhood that they're moving to in 2014, right when they're moving. Neighborhood Scout named it the country's 30th safest town, which the country's 30th. That's high, right? Very they, it's not like a town that has a lot of crime or anything. Be, Hence, part, 30th. Well, like everyone's, town. like, wealthy. Um, they have, what we're going to call that is they have a lot of resources. So they, they don't probably have a huge police force. Everyone has I a lot of resources. No. Mm-hmm. In fact, do you know what they complain about in the town? Like, the main complaint? Noise complaints? No. It's that the cops over-ticket for, like, things like parking. Because I think the cops don't have anything to do. So the people are like, stop giving me so many parking tickets. When we talk about defunding the police, this is what you need to listen to. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Um, but they're excited because, like, the house is near where Maria grew up. Oh, my God. I wrote her name as Maria and as Melissa. What do you think her name is? <laughs> <laughs> do a quick Google search. Do a Google. Do a Googs. Maria. Why did I write Melissa? I bet it. I, honestly, I sometimes just write so quick that like. Don't brag. That I just spell things wrong. And I'm like, did they live or die? Like <laughs> very important <laughs> details. <laughs> You're like, it's just. Gibberish. Is it him? Did he kill them? I don't know. So it was close to where she grew up as a kid. Um, And Derek had just turned 40. He was like, I just bought my dream home. So they're like feeling good. They have kids. The kids are excited. And before moving into the house, since it's an old house, they, like, want to do some renos. So they're doing and some saging. Renos, some <laughs> saging, some painting. And one day they're over there doing that. Uh, I think it's just Derek actually is over there. And he is leaving and he goes by their mailbox. And they don't usually have, like, mail because they haven't properly moved in or changed their address right. yet. But there's this card inside, which is already weird because it looks like 
a personal card. The envelope actually says on it, though, to the new owner. And it's night and Derek's alone, but he just reads the letter anyway. And I mean, well, to give I thought it, it'd be some sick coupons from Bed Bath & Beyond in there. You wish. The scary thing is the internet follows us. <laughs> that's, 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 that's so be careful because he had just talked about bed bath and beyond out loud the and day his before phone picked it up. and his phone must have heard crazy. him crazy um, truly darkly creepy here's the truth i'm gonna be reading some of some letter content to you and here's what i know this article that reeves wrote is the best article as far as exposing the content of these letters but the way that the article's written is in a way where it doesn't show you the, full. the exact full letter. It'll like make reference to moments in the letter. So when I'm reading it, I'm not reading verbatim the letter. I'm reading everything I know to be in the letter. Um, and it's probably missing a few things. Okay. So I just want that's like a just a just a disclaimer. So this is the first letter. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard. Allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk tisk, bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Let the party begin. The Watcher. So, like, what is the refund policy on house purchases? It's not great. It's not great. You can't get a full. <laughs> but what about the receipt? Like, if they kept the receipt, but did the they house... keep the receipt? People, keep your receipts. Wait a minute. Hold. What would you do? What would you do um, if you got that letter? In you, that and moment, over a million dollars. You just purchased a house. You're doing renovations. They know you have a family. They know you have kids. What do you do? Murder Suey. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Holy. I don't know what I would do. It's so nuts. I mean, and also it's so also much nuts money. Because you're like, is this like a teenage? Like it could be nothing. It could be like a teenager playing a oh, prank. Fuck. It could I be hate anything. That. I really don't love that. Oh, I so, don't like it. I mean, what does Derek do? He calls the police smart and they take a break from writing tickets and they're like we're in over our heads with this one no 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 i just did someone double park (laughs) tell me someone double parked i mean they can't do much so he drives to the house he's still living in um which is also in westfield and they call the couple he like tells maria what's happened they call the couple that sold them 
The house. The house. Um, their names are Andrea and John Woods. And they're like, hey, guys, do you like Benny Chance have like, I don't know, a super creepy pen pal or <laughs> what's the word? Andrea's like, oh, now that you mention it, I didn't think this was worth mentioning, but we got a super weird letter right before moving out that made mention of watching the house. But at that point, we'd lived in the house without incidents for 23 years and nothing weird like that had ever happened. And so it didn't really like creep us that much. And we just threw it away. So they don't know what to do. The cops can't do anything. Their neighbors are, I mean, these people that sold in the house are not really helpful. So they just wait. They also, the cops are like, ooh, I wouldn't tell any of your neighbors about it because everyone is essentially a suspect. Huh. So that creates an atmosphere where they're just on high alert. And they're paranoid. Um, So they're going over to the house still to do work and they're bringing the kids over and stuff. And if they can't see the kids for a second, they like freak out and yell their names. They're on edge. Um, And so. Fuck, that must be so confusing for the kids. Yeah. Well, they don't tell the kids anything. Well, no, I know, but, like, to have your parents, like, be super chill, and all of a sudden you're like, You go Brian! around the corner, and they're like, Brian! So they have a couple over that live in the neighborhood, and the wife super casually says something to them along the lines of, like, oh, it's good to have new blood in the neighborhood. And the husband, like, <laughs> you know? like Because oh so imagine, like, There's anything. Like, turns of phrases. Oh, shit. Totally. There's, like all these little things that they notice that are probably nothing. Like there was a big sign in the yard the contractors put there and then one night it's got taken from the yard and they're like, oh my God. This is but it. to be fair to them, a few weeks go by and the second letter, we'll call this letter dos. <laughs> That's Spanish for two. <laughs> arrives. I'm going to tell you what I know is in that letter. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time they will. I'm pleased to know your names now and the names of the young blood you have brought me. You certainly say their names often. And at this point in the letter, there is a reference to, I think, their young daughter who the other day was painting on an easel in their enclosed porch. Okay. And then the the watcher writes, is she the artist in the family? 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It's been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It's far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Broadus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Also of note in this letter, I just want to point out the their fuck? last name is spelled wrong. 
So I guess we know why he calls himself the Watcher and not the Speller. Good one, Gwen. (laughs) (laughs) So they obviously at this point getting this second letter, it's like a little more threatening even, would you say? Yeah. Well, I think it's like it'll help me plan better. And then it knows the layout of the house is scary. It's that's. It's awful. That is an that it's just all of it is fucking awful. Yeah. So they quit going to the house uh, with the kids, at least. And they're like, are we going to be in danger if we move? And in letter number three, I don't know a ton about that letter, but I know that the watcher writes, where have you gone to 657 Boulevard is missing you. (sighs) Why don't they put like a fucking camera on the mailbox? Well, it's getting um, mailed. They don't know where it's getting mailed from. Okay, so, so it's not hand post- delivered. It's mailed. yeah, the postal worker's delivering it. When the Woods, the family that used to live there, when they put it on the market, they received multiple offers above their asking price. So the Broadduses are at first like, wait, maybe the Watcher's someone that lost out on the house. Okay. Why did they turn down a higher offer? No, I mean, they did, too. They offered higher, too. I'm just saying, like, gotcha. there were okay, people gotcha. that were rich that really wanted this house. They got it. The watcher also wrote in one of the letters, the boulevard used to be the street to live on. You made it if you lived on the boulevard. Sounds like someone with an axe to grind. Or you know who it sounds like? You made it <laughs> if you live on the boulevard. It sounds like Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph doing like that. <laughs> Hey, you made it. You live on the boulevard. Oh, right, right, right. Doesn't it kind of sound like them? No, it doesn't to me. It sounds like a psychopath. If it's not (laughs) a chicken, it's Biff. That, like, game show skit. I don't know why it reminded me of that. Um, I'm glad you see comedy when I see fucking terror. I see comedy everywhere. Um, So, well, all we know about the letters is they were processed in Kearney. That's, like, the... Where they the were processed. Post, yeah. yeah, it's the postal, like the distribution center that's in northern New Jersey. The first letter was postmarked on June 4th, which was before the sale went public. So that oh, shit. feels like the person knew, had insider information. In the no, it kind of makes them feel more connected to the neighborhood because the neighborhood kind of knew what was going on, right? One thing also is that the easel that yeah. the little girl was at there's a bunch of vegetation in front of it from the street. So it would be really hard to see. You wouldn't really see her unless you were on the side of the house. No, there's another house there. But I'm yeah. saying like you wouldn't be walking or driving the street and notice that little girl. Fuck. So they go to a neighborhood barbecue and they're not saying shit to anybody about the letters. They're just fucking side eyeing everyone sounds like a super fun life. One guy they meet that lives in the hood is like, oh, just like talking to them about the neighborhood and talking to them about their neighbors, the Langfords that live next door. And they're like, oh, it's a 90-year-old woman that lives there with her 60-year-old kids and they're kind of odd. Actually, one of their sons doesn't work and has a beard. So, (laughs) solved. (laughs) No, but really, if you're going to be unemployed, like at least shave, right? It's too much. <laughs> 60 a, lives at home, just shave. That's such a bizarre thing, but I don't disagree. You could see the easel, though, from that house. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like you could see it from the neighbor's house. And his dad had died 12 years prior. 
This is and there's weird. the mention in the letter of like, my dad did this. Now it's my turn. Right. Um, also, in one of the letters is this quote. The house is crying from all the pain it's going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room imagining the life with rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood, and then it got old and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died, and now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. So for some reason they're like maybe it's this guy that lived next door maybe because right, like maybe he had access to the out house six, in the nineteen sixties. Oh, so they go and talk to Michael Langford and he's like the son and he's like, no, I'm not doing that. What the fuck can they do beyond that? Nothing. Derek, the dad, gets cameras installed and he gets like obsessed where he's making like. Yeah. charts and maps and of the neighborhood and like circling things he also still leans towards the lit still leans toward it maybe being the langfords there were not that many families that were in the neighborhood for that many years and who could have been so close that they heard maria calling the kids names right like the proximity they end up hiring a former fbi agent to form an assessment and they're like we think the writer's older because it's there's no curse words or anything when it's trying to be threatening, but there's no curses. Right. There's double spaces after periods, which is I kind of I still old. do that. You do I, that? Oh, yes. I feel like that's old person stuff. That was like, we learned that in like high school and element. I didn't learn that. Well, you didn't learn anything in high school. We've established that. Oh, you're right. Fair <laughs> point. Touche. <laughs> um, <laughs> the outside of the letter is address like m slash m wait is it robert durst did he sell did he sell beverly Beverly spelled wrong (laughs) um but the m slash m thing that's an old person's way of writing mr Mr. mrs Mrs. like i just mean i don't mean old person i just mean a little bit outdated like it just didn't feel like a young 2014 like teenage um i like you'd immediately be like oh it's pranks it's like young teenagers wanting to fuck with people the first clearly not Day. Oh, this is another weird clue. The first letter is dated Tuesday, June 4th, but that was actually a Wednesday. We all know that Michael doesn't work. Maybe he doesn't know what fucking day of the week it is, right? right? So Although, you still think it it's 2020 Michael. and it was coronavirus times, you could literally write, like, write like, the month wrong. I'll be like, it's Thursday and it's currently June. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. It's March still. So this is kind of a weird tactic that they do. Derek and Maria write a letter to the Langfords under the guise of like, we're your neighbors. So we're letting you know what's up. And we're just letting you know that we're going to tear down the house. Cause they just want to bait them and see if like the next watcher letter will reference, will like freak out about that, but nothing happens. Anyway, they're both freaked out. They're having nightmares. It could be anybody. But the thing about thinking it's Michael is the police confront him in the letters came afterwards, like kept coming. So it, and he didn't take the bait if that right. just doesn't feel right. There is a house painter that the Broadus hired that tells them that there's a neighborhood guy in one of the neighboring houses that has a lawn chair, but he doesn't he points the chair really awkwardly right toward their house when he sits in it. There's a couple sex offenders in the area. There's God, what a way to get it. what a welcome basket, truly. I mean, they're they're like, who the fuck is it? Could it be 
a jilted mistress? Could it be a realtor that was mad they didn't get the money on the sale? Yeah. Could it be, oh my God, this list is so funny that they give a guerrilla marketing for a horror movie. Like the watcher will come out after this. I love that. But how love that for like scare the shit out of one family and then be like, and then be like, they'll tell the press, the press will write about it. And then they're like, the watcher coming this fall to theaters near you. Like that's (laughs) definitely illegal as a marketing ploy. Um, Another quote I loved from this article about who it might be was mall goths just having fun. Mall goths? Yeah, you know how mall goths You know what? Raging. I've met plenty of mall goths, and it's it's mostly an, an aesthetic thing, not a... The neighborhood is kind of turns on them and is like, maybe you did it. Fuck that. Because you have some kind of buyer's remorse, and you think this is going to help you get out of... No, it's the opposite. If anyone finds out, no one would take the house. I completely agree. It's like the dumbest thing in the world. <sighs> so stupid. So what, what should they do? They want to move in, but... They also don't afraid want for to their move children. In, but they're paying fucking, they're living at Maria's parents' house nearby and they're fucking paying a mortgage on this house every God month. God damn. What the fuck do you do? Not just that. It's winter. Derek's fucking shoveling both driveways. <laughs> he like gets up in the morning and has to go shovel the driveway at the house they don't live in and then get home and shovel. And his the... kids are like, Dad, you told me I got my own room. Like, why am I still on the sleeper couch? Ugh. So they're like, should we get dogs? Maybe we should get dogs. Oh, my God. Then they have the best idea that I can't believe they didn't do that I love. What about hiring a military vet to work out in the yard every day? It's like a bodyguard, but weirder. (laughs) That's so crazy, right? (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, fight creepy with creepy. That's what I always say. I love that. That's so weird. I love that. So six months fucking go by over and they're just like agonizing and they're like, you know what? I think we got to sell the fucking house. So they list it for more than they paid for it because at this point they did renos on it as well. So they're like, I guess we got to just try to recoup our costs and walk away. They are okay let's be really forthcoming because we didn't like it when that wasn't done for us which is to say if anyone puts in a reasonable bit on the house that we think we're gonna show them the house and talk to them we should show them all the letters right and instead of just like letting them hear rumors and then they get in one of the letters that ends up coming to them it says 657 boulevard is turning on me it's coming after me I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Watcher, I don't think that's going to make them want to live there. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. If they've already decided to sell the place, that's horrible. This is awful. I think that was in the third one. I don't know which letter that was. I don't think it made them any more excited to go move in. So the story ends up getting press, obviously, and the neighborhood hears about it. So they're like... Yeah, I wonder if that's, like, the first thing you should do is, like, get the press involved. Because at least, like... But I guess they didn't want to attract crazy people to their house, too. That's a really delicate balance. 
Well, and once it starts getting press, a lot of people from the neighborhood are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't like this. I don't feel like it got the attention it deserved or was taken seriously enough. This is really scary that we live in this neighborhood where this is happening. Baron Chambliss. Baron Chambly, I like to say better. Maybe I'll say it that way. He's a veteran detective in the Westfield Police, and he's asked to look at the case. And when he's poking around, he does like a DNA analysis on the envelope and finds out that the only DNA on it belongs to a woman. Pretty weird. Weird. So he keeps poking around. He doesn't think it's the Langfords. They also find out that another family in that neighborhood got a letter from the watcher right around the same time when the Broadduses first got theirs. And it didn't freak them out that much. They were just weirded, but they trashed it. Like, but nothing. Because they lived there probably. So they were like, oh, it's fine. (sighs) I guess. Yeah. One night, this detective Chambly, I really don't know if that's how you say it, but I really (laughs) like it that way. And his partner are watching the house, the Broadduses' house. And it's night and there's a car that stops um, in front of it and Chambly does a trace on the car and it goes to a woman in a nearby town and her boyfriend lived in that neighborhood on like that block. And when they talk to her, she says, oh, my boyfriend, she's talking about her boyfriend. She's characterizing him as somebody that's into really dark video games. And there's one video game that he plays a specific character in and the character's called The Watcher. The boyfriend, though, was living somewhere else at the time, but the detective calls him and he agrees he's going to come in for an interview, but he never shows up either time he's supposed to. But the detective doesn't have enough evidence to, like, force him to come. So, meanwhile, the Broadduses are still having trouble selling their fucking house. So they were like, maybe actually financially it would be more wise for us to actually tear it down and build two houses, like two separate lots, it will make us back more money, maybe. There's a public hearing. The townsfolk are allowed to go to. It sounds super old school. And there's a guy on the block named Tom Higgins who says, putting up two houses there is going to stick out like dog's balls. (laughs) Um, I don't know if everyone felt that exact way, but the board does fucking reject this proposal so they can't do it this family is being bullied out it's so intense so they get renters for the house and at one point Derek goes and stops by the house for something or to fix another letter isn't there yeah and the renters like hey dude one of these creepy letters came for you it was published in this article but in pieces so i'm gonna read the parts that i know are in the letter but i might be reading it out of order But it said all the following things. Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher. Maybe a car accident? 
maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day, maybe the mysterious death of a pet, loved ones suddenly die, planes and cars and bicycles crash, bones break, you are despised by the house, and the watcher won. Holy shit. It's so out of control. So it super Is it escalates. Thomas Higgins? It's such a weird thread. It was sent about dog balls? <laughs> I think Thomas Higgins is not capable of this sort of writing. I'm so sorry, Tom. If, he, if, his, <laughs> if his last metaphor is about dog's balls, it's like, holy so shit. are you ready for the very strange, sad epilogue of this story? Are we ever going to find out who? I'm not going to tell you. It's about to be over and then okay. you'll know the truth. So it's Christmas Eve. 2017 and several families in the neighborhood receive envelopes in the mail and it was like weirdly the families that had been the most vocal about criticizing the Broadus family and the letters they get are kind of bizarre and poetic the way that they're in the tone of the watchers letters and I don't know the contents of the letters exactly but I know that it um, accuses these families of uh speculating incorrectly and it it is signed the way it used to be the watcher it's signed friends of the broadus family so when the guy that wrote this article that you may or may not know reeves asks derek did you write those letters derek pauses and then he's like yeah i did actually weird and then he explains that the watcher so consumed him investigating it and getting beyond it and then dealing with it that, that he, he likens it to having a cancer that overtook him and he couldn't get rid of it. And he wrote these letters to people because he was angry and wanted to be on the other side of it. Like, I don't know. But it's very interesting that he admitted it. And they still don't know who the watcher is to this is day. The house, um, on, like, is the house who did, did the house sell? The house sold in July 2019. For nine fifty nine thousand, they lost like half a million. Um, is what Zillow dollars. says. So the couple, uh, the Broadduses, had had spent one point three five five, and then they spent like a hundred thousand dollars on renovations. I don't know why I said that word so weird. So they took a pretty big loss. It's like a four hundred thousand dollar loss on selling it. Yeah. So you know they weren't fucking bullshitting. I wonder if the new owners got that's a horrible story. It's a crazy story. So Lifetime obviously released obviously. a movie called The Watcher. Um, even though they got a cease and desist letter from the Broadduses, they released that movie, but they said, look, in our movie, the couple's biracial. And the letters are signed by The Raven. So you can't really sue us. Who's in it? Tell me it's someone good. I don't know who's in it, but I also know that a huge deal was just made. And guess who got the rights to the story? Netflix. Shonda Rhimes. Netflix. Netflix just got the feature rights. So. I hate that story. Ugh. How do you hate that story? I love I that love story. I love it, but it's so scary. It's so scary. Like, what would you do? Like, what on earth would you do? That's like a shit ton of money to be sunk in the house. I mean, house. You would, you'd have to do what they did. There's no moving in. But I mean, who the fuck and to what end? But also, like, there's nothing that can be done for this poor family. Like, everyone's hung them out to dry. Their whole neighborhood, no. like. But it's just so weird that they got accused of doing it because they so clearly didn't do it. But then it's funny that Derek he, was like, well, fuck you. I'm going to go do it. Yeah, that was a bit <laughs> of a stretch. I was like, Derek, oh, you hurt your case. You hurt your case. Is it my turn? 
Of course it's my turn. I know that. I'm doing the story of the Queen Mary ship. Maybe it's the Watcher's turn. <gasps> the Queen Mary ship? Yeah. Do you know Queen Mary? I don't know the story, but I do know that the ship is haunted. Yeah. It's top 10 most haunted places in the U.S. <gasps> This is a really scary episode. This is scary. I don't know how scary it is of this story, but here's what I will tell you. Okay, so. Tell me things. Got it from Legends of America. Got it from Wikipedia. Love it. So the ship was launched in 1934. It was quizzed by Queen Mary. is what puts us together, together today. It was christened by the one and only Queen Mary. I'm sure there's going to be a crown episode about it at some point in time. And it took the first voyage in 1936, okay? At the time, it was, like, the fastest, most comfortable ship across the Atlantic, right? So for three years, it carried passengers back and forth. And in it, it featured a couple things. It had two pools, a beauty salon, library, nurseries for all three classes, because God knows, first class, second class, third class, can't have the same fucking nurseries, um, a music studio, a lecture hall, telephone, which in the 30s... Very important. Apparently, it was a telephone that you could reach anywhere in the world. Um, a magic phone? A magic phone. I just really honestly just thought about how phones work. And you're like, nope, didn't have and a phone. Cor- is there a cord that connects somehow, like, like Russia to, like, is it one cord? I'm just so curious about how that works. Next week on Truly Darkly <laughs> Creepily, how phones work. It had tennis. It had dog kennels. I think it had some air conditioning. Big deal. Right now, sounds great. Complimentary shampoo and conditioner. Mm, can't decide. No. I don't know yet. I don't know. I, it didn't say. It didn't in say. In one, at least? In I one? don't think they made in one. Oh. I don't. People had their hair set in the 30s, and they didn't move for a week. It oh. had a beauty salon. That's all you need to fucking know. Sounds great. So also what I liked about it is this was the first liner, uh, the first ocean liner to have its own... Um, Jewish prayer room, which I really thought was super wonderful because it was a part of a policy to show that British shipping lines avoided the anti-Semitism oh. that was growing in Nazi Germany at the time. Wow. So I this just, this ship had a lot of anemones. <laughs> <laughs> anemone. An anemone. Amenities. You were doing an amenity pun. Anemones. And an enemy. And you were doing, it's cute, Quinn. Yeah. Look at her. She's so pleased. You can't see dear readers, <laughs> but Quinn's face over is, here. she's just, pleased as GD got punch. my water. My turn's over. Just sitting <laughs> she back closed and her computer. saying she's funny done. things. Okay. So this was in 36. For three years, it was saying. So by 39, World War II, I don't know if you know history. Quinn doesn't. World War II started happening. And so the Queen Mary was repainted and nicknamed the Grey Ghost. Because she was a u- she was used as a transport carrier to carry soldiers. Which, by the way, I just saw the movie Greyhound. Oh, it's on my list. Um, Skip. Uh, he uh, wrote it. He's America's sweetheart. I mean, watch it for Tom. Watch it for Tom. Okay. For me, it was like, I didn't... Eh, people like are loving it. I, honestly, here's my hot take. I can't do war porn. I can't do war porn. I feel like... All right. So much of war movies are about battle and blowing shit up and the suspense of, like, wartime. And for me, I just think about everybody's children or family and how many people died, and I can't deal with it. It hurts me. Copy that. It's not fun. So at one point, the Queen Mary was bringing, like, 15,000 men in a single shipment to the Allied forces, to England. Mm -hmm. 
and it was super high speed and it could like zigzag. It was just like an easily maneuvered boat. So it wasn't really at risk of being hit by the dang U-boats of the Germans, you know, those submarines. So in 1942, actually, the Queen Mary, while it was charging on that water, it accidentally collided with a fellow Allied troop transport. It was called the HMS Kurosawa, I don't know, but it was another ship carried Allied soldiers and it ran right into it. And because it was so fast and it had to get somewhere, the ship, it had damage on its hull, but the ship just kept going because it was a hit and run. Hit and run. That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> and there were three they were like, oop, I hope they, uh, and they just didn't have time to get some if, help, but I got to go. Because if it turned back, the U-boats would get it. And like, it was a really, like 15,000 people. And this little ship had like 337 people. And so there was a huge shipwreck. And so I guess one of the other ships came back and picked it up, picked up like 99 survivors. So about 239 people died on that accident. In 1943, it was going across the Atlantic Ocean and a rogue 92-foot wave came over the um, Queen Mary and the ship rotated and it was about to capsize. And they said, this thing fucking almost capsized. They said it rotated like 52 degrees. And if it was three degrees over, it would have fully capsized. Whoa. 15,000 soldiers. Like so insane. Post-war. Spoiler alert, Quinn, we won the war. (laughs) The Allied troops won the war. The suspense was killing you. (laughs) Post-war, the Queen Mary was used to deliver war brides to Canada. Have you heard about this? This was one sentence in the article, and I I didn't totally double check it, but I'm pretty sure I know what was happening, is during World War II, so many lives were lost of these young men, of like Mm -hmm. 20-year-old men. And so there were so many single women in the 1940s. So what they did is they brought all these single women to Canada to marry the young men in Canada. Lucky them. I don't know. I'd rather go with an English guy. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I do love can Both of them has socialized healthcare, so far be it from me to like turn any of them down. No, okay, I get it. But like they brought war. They were called war brides. Yeah, that's sad, dark, right? So fucking dark. Well, what's better, that or widow? War bride at least kind of has like a tough. I, they're sound both really to it. bad. For the record, they're both bad. That's not good. No, it's not a good look. Moral of the story is we won. War Brides in 1947, by 1947, it was outfitted now to be a passenger liner. So it was, again, a great liner. It would, it ended up making a thousand trips back and forth. A top-of-the-line liner? A top-of-the-line liner. Yeah. And it carried musicians, royalty, celebrity, Hollywood actors. Like, it was the place, the way to travel. It was quick. They loved it. Okay. Final trip was in 1967, where it landed in Long Beach, California, to where it is now. It has stayed there stationary. Bing, bang, boom, it's there. It's because jets, airplanes, as you just heard, were taken over. And so they didn't really have much use for a um, luxury passenger liner. The Queen Mary now sits in Long Beach, California, and they made it into a museum, a tourist attraction, and a hotel. And among the reasons, not reasons, but among one of the attractions is that it is known, um, it was listed by the Time magazine. The, the Time. The Have time. you heard about The Time? <laughs> it was listed by Time magazine as the top 10 most haunted places in America. 
Wow. If you go, That's saying something. If you go to their website, too, it's like, take a haunting tour. And there's, like, people in the all hallways, like, with flashlights and shit. It's really good. It that's just fun. looks really corny. I mean, I'm into it. Oh, that's my thing. I so, love corny. I love haunted tours. Independent of the 300, pe- nearly 300 people that were just sideswiped by the Queen Mary outside of the ship... There were apparently 49 onboard deaths. I don't know if this was before when it was used during wartime, because I would assume if it's transporting 15,000 people, I would assume it's probably not inclusive of that. But of the 49 deaths, I bet it's when it was used as a passenger liner. Mm -hmm. I'm editorializing here, but I can't imagine with 15,000 people, that just doesn't seem like the numbers may work out. If you died on the Queen Mary, contact us. Let us know. Don't let me know, like... When I'm sleeping or, like, when I'm by myself. Like, let or us know Don't let us room. know in the bathroom with fog on the mirror no, no, or anything. No, 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 Hard pass on that. Write us a letter, like the watcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let us know. Maybe not as threatening. Please not as threatening. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Danko. Danko. <laughs> okay, so 49 onboard deaths. Um, a couple of them. Let's just list them quickly. There was a crew member who was crushed by a hatch. Are you about to list 49 deaths? No. God. All right, go ahead. You're like, it's hot already. I can't. There was, they don't list them all. They just said 49 deaths. And then okay. they gave me like very few amounts of them. Um, I wanted actually more deaths, truth be told. I wanted more information. And that I more, had a penny for I'm every fine time. 49, I'm fine with 49, but I wanted like more information. One of them was a crew member who was crushed by a hatch during a routine drill. One of them was an officer on the ship who thought he was drinking some good old gin. He was drinking poison. Uh, when you mix your gin up with your poison. It's not a good thing. D- the skull and crossbones one is not like a cute, clever, fun bottling company. Do you remember our like one of our first episodes where we did the um the only death in Antarctica? <laughs> 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 I just said <laughs> seltzer glow up my nose. Your oh, face <laughs> Oh dear God. Let the pain stop. Put me up just shoot me. <laughs> Do a gun. Me out of my misery. Oh God, kill me! All right. right, sorry. All right, I feel better. You okay? I'm really glad you didn't kill me. I would never. I'm no. sorry. Go on. One of our first episodes. Do you remember one of our first episodes where I did the only death in Antarctica? Yeah, and they think it was the guy that thought he was drinking alcohol, but might have been poisoning. Just reminded me of that. In the pool room, there was this little girl. She was five years old. Her name was Jacqueline Jackie Torin. She drowned in the pool. Oh, so sad. In the boiler room, there was this guy called John Henry, and he was a worker on the ship, and he died on the job, and then his remains were found later. So people have seen a lot of things on the ship. So that's just a taste. Okay, so that's like 5%. That's like 10% of the deaths on the ship. Right. So some people have seen some weird things. There's a stateroom that apparently is haunted by the spirit of the of the per- person that was murdered there. People have seen apparitions of people. They've vanished. They've disappeared. They've just, like, gone up in smoke. And some of the apparitions have been of, like, physical bodies or ghost-like creatures. People have felt things, like, touching, grabbing, and pulling them. They've heard voices. There's been moments where people have experienced extreme heat and extreme cold in random parts of the ship. Not because they were next to a window unit, mind you. There's been power surges. And then the old the old standby of the cabinets moving, furniture moving, all that stuff. And 
certain areas of the ship are more haunted than others. So there's a lot of talk about the pool room and they can hear a young girl calling out for her parents, which is the same place that that young girl Jackie died. In the boiler room where John Henry passed away, they see a man there. They see his spirit, his ghost. There's a lady in white. That is all it said was just lady in white as like an attraction. (laughs) You'll find out about the lady in white. So they obviously, because it's really haunted, they hired this guy. So in the 1990s, the company that owned, the ship has changed owners quite frequently. At one point, Walt Disney owned it. And they, you know, there's like a lot. It's just changed properties quite a bit. Um, It's also not They also own a haunted mansion. They do? Walt Disney. Weird. Yeah, they were never ridden the haunted mansion ride. Oh, (laughs) I wouldn't put it past them. So in the 1990s, they hired the top one of the world's top paranormal investigators. His name is Christopher Shacon. Shaken? Shacon? I I love Shaken. I love Shaken. Christopher Shaken, not stirred. And he was an anomalist and a parapsychologist and was hired to do extensive scientific research and investigation into the hauntings of this. Now, he has 40 years of experience. He's very strict. He's studious. He's a scientist. So everything is about, like, finding this and proving otherwise. When I was reading about him, I really fucking liked him because there was something about him that it wasn't about feeling. It was truly, like, scientific data with him. Yeah. Um, He took 18 months to investigate the ship. Oh, dang. A year and a half. And he used radiation, air pressure, magnetic fields. He did, like, chemical um, content tests. He had a huge crew with him, too, because of his resources. He brought scientists, physicists, medical doctors, chemists, and he would chronicle all of the events, right? What I liked about what he talked about in this article, he would rule out anything that had a rational or logical explanation, Got it. He, like, actively disproved the theories. So 12,000 events were documented by crew and visitors and people all along. Yeah. He's claimed after his research was finished, he claims that 12,000 events, 60% he can rule out based on rational or logical reasons or factors. He's able to, like, be like, 60% of these, Fine. What about the 40? However... Over 30, he said. There was, like, a little bit of a number missing. Over 30%. (laughs) He's a really good scientist, but he can't count. I bet one of them is, like, documented, rational, logical. Some of them, like, I bet less than 10% are, like, possible. He's not willing to put them in either category. And 30%, he believes, are considered paranormal or, quote, haunt phenomena. Wow. That's a fuckload for a a dude like that to be signing on for. Yeah. I mean, this is his job, too. But I thought was interesting in what he, like, compared the hauntings. One of them was, like, residual and one of them was sentient or sentient. I think sentient. I don't know how you say that word. Um, I would never say that word out loud because I feel so unsure about it. Sentient. You're not going to get me to say it Sentient. Sentient. Eh, whatever. Okay, so residual hauntings were theorized, and this is his words, as an impression left behind upon an environment or object, like an echo or footprint, um, often being cyclic and often repeating its actions similar to a videotape playing on loop, producing visuals, sounds, etc., though it's self-possessing no consciousness. So I think a residual is like it's a leftover vibe And it will affect everyone similarly in that people will see the same thing recurring over and over again. Wow. Sentient 
Haunting theory, it's thought to possess some degree of awareness, feeling, or perception, or memory, and it's reactive or responsive, even communicable. Now, sentient is harder to track because it affects different people differently, and whereas residual, I think, is what he was saying, is like... Watching a movie, almost. Mm -hmm. It's like it's going to repeat. It's going to repeat. It's going to happen multiple times. Or sentient, it just depends on the person, so it's a little bit more challenging to, to study, to investigate. Sentient generally cause more fear. Sentient is a little bit rare and a little bit more nuanced. Okay. It's not It's not happening over and over again. It's like very specific events and communicative. And then there's objective versus subjective. Objective is it can happen to anyone in the environment. It's easier studied. And then subjective, it happens to select individuals. Right. So that's why it's a little subjective ones are obviously harder to determine. In 2018, the Queen Mary fully embraces its haunted history and past. And some historians are upset that it's not honoring the actual history of the ship. And it's playing out as like a haunted mansion for tourist consumption, mm-hmm. um, which I think as we found in this podcast, that that's highly likely and probable that people would do that. Color. Um, the haunted stateroom, by the way, is available to stay in. It is um, suite room B340, and it's a former um, third class cabin, and it's notoriously haunted. In Halloween, for example, it's like set up like a haunted house. There's visuals. And then if you go on their website, which I did, right now we could book a room for $100 a night, which I think is actually quite reasonable. No, um, that's good. How far drive? Well, it's in Long Beach, California. So it'll be a long drive from here. It's a long drive. Yeah. But I think we go. I think we go for a night. And we yeah, stay in that suite. I think we go for a night. But they have, again, like haunted tours and a lot of their entertainment that they push on the ship is very much geared towards haunting experiences. Duh. And that's a little bit about the hauntings of the Queen Mary. I love it. <laughs> I just signed me up. I love this Christopher Chacon, Jaken. I just loved how like meticulously he did it and how many scientists were involved. A physicist came with him. A medical doctor came with him. Yeah, you got to take your haunting seriously. There's no other way. There's zero other way. I know what you could do. You could just ignore it like the watcher. The police did with the watcher. Well, he was hardly a ghost. Ooh, I'm a ghost. Or was he? Oh, my God. You just opened up a whole new world. Um, Don't you dare close your eyes. I never would. Too terrified. (laughs) And I'm also the watcher. I wouldn't put it past you. I wouldn't put it past me either. I mean, the thing is, is we need to do a prank I was thinking about yeah. pranks. I had a, we had to do a prank. Don't do a prank on me, okay? Just like, I'll be with you. Okay, Who's okay, okay. Really good at pranks? Who? Your sister. Oh my God, she's the prank queen. She loves it. And it's so funny because she would love it if no one ever knew it was her, which I don't understand. If I'm pranking someone, I like to tell want them. She the credit. She's like a true prank artist. If I, if I were to do a prank, you would know it was me within five minutes because I'd want credit. Where oh credit God. is due. She is so good at pranks. Well, we're just going to have to have her plan our prank. By the way, you've been listening. Well, we prank her. <gasps> Let's do it. Truly. Darkly. Creepily. I'm Carrie Ipema. I'm Quinlan Posner. And thanks for joining us. We're going to prank you if you don't. Yeah, be careful. We're going to watch like, review, you. Subscribe. Patreon. Blah, blah, blah. blah ding, galang, gang, gang. Do <laughs> seriously, though. Subscribe to our Patreon because we are making 
excellent content that you are missing if you are not a Patreon subscriber. And I feel so sorry for you that my heart is actually breaking thinking about you missing out. And your heart should be breaking too. (laughs) I like we should end it right there. Bye.